This is Kick-Ass News. I'm Ben Mathis. I want to tell you about a great new podcast called Outside the Box. If you're a maker, an innovator, or even just a consumer who wants to peek behind the curtain of some of the world's greatest organizations, you'll love it. The latest episode features interviews with the visionaries who are creating systems that bring our work, and more importantly, our workforce, into the 21st century. Because although we're plugged in at home, when it comes to the workforce, we're lagging behind. Listen to Outside the Box in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Ben Mathis, and welcome to Kick-Ass News. Two weeks ago, you might have seen news headlines or posts on your Facebook feed asking you to help save Snopes.com, the popular fact-checking site that received as many as 2 million visitors a day during the 2016 election and has become perhaps the best and most reliable line of defense against fake news and alternative facts. It turns out that Snopes is embroiled in a complicated lawsuit with a group called Proper Media, which according to Snopes has been withholding ad revenue from the company for months, threatening to shutter the online arbiter of truth for good. So to learn more, I invited Snopes founder and CEO David Mickelson on the podcast, and today he'll discuss why he's calling on fans to help keep the site going until this bitter legal battle is over. But first, David will talk about what inspired him to start Snopes over 20 years ago and how it grew from a site that debunked urban legends to the most reliable fact-checking site on the Internet, depended on by everyone from Facebook to The Washington Post. He'll share how Snopes verifies questionable stories online and give some tips on how you can vet the information you consume. He'll talk about the danger of misinformation, where it comes from, and how some of the worst offenders have even tried to peddle fake stories about Snopes and David Mickelson himself. We'll find out whether Snopes is funded by CNN, George Soros, or the CIA, and we'll answer burning questions like, is Bob Barker dead, and are there snakes in your snack bags? Coming up with Snopes founder and CEO David Mickelson in just a moment. Today I'm sitting down with David Mickelson, the founder and CEO of the extremely popular fact-checking site Snopes, which only became more popular and more relevant as the 2016 presidential election spiraled into a non-stop disinformation campaign. David Mickelson, thanks for joining me. Sure, thank you for having me on. Well, I'm a fan of the site. I have been for a while. For anyone who may not be familiar with Snopes, it fact-checks fake or misleading stories, often the kind of stuff that folks might get in an email chain or see on their Facebook feed. I didn't realize that Snopes was founded, I think, almost 20 years ago or more. I mean, that's the dark ages of the Internet <laughs> by today's standards. How did all this begin? Yeah, it kind of started as a hobby way back in the mid-1990s uh, because I had been working for a large computer company, so I was kind of on the Internet before most people knew there was an Internet <laughs> and took part in the old U Usenet discussion groups. And you know, Urban Legends was one of the interests I followed there and 
kind of when the first graphical browser came out, I set up a little corner of the web where I started writing about, at the beginning, mostly Disney-related legends. And, oh, really? Um, like what? Oh, you know, it was Walt Disney frozen after he died. Right. All, all the numerous stories <laughs> about supposedly uh, salacious things hidden in Disney movies or, you know, messages to kids or things like that. Um, you know, is there a secret club at Disneyland? Yeah. Uh, you know, so it, it's a sort of, you know, it wasn't called Snopes back then. Um, it was called the Urban Legends Reference Pages. And I set up like three or four different categories. And then my, you know, former wife, Barbara, started contributing. And it just kind of took a left turn from what we expected. Because uh, yeah. we were such early adopters that, um, even, you know, even before search engines existed, much less social media or, you know, YouTube or anything like that, that it kind of quickly became the place where everybody started sending anything questionable they came across on the Internet. Now, beyond just the urban legends uh, what are the other kinds of things that are in your wheelhouse these days? So we started out with urban legends, which are really a kind of folklore, but it just kind of went where the audience took us. And, you know, the early days of the Internet, there were a lot of um, like missing child and computer mm -hmm. virus warnings circulated <laughs> by email, many of which were hoaxes, uh, lots of various scams, um, it, surprisingly, it took a while before fake photographs became a thing on the <laughs> Internet. Uh, it took even longer before people really started using the Internet for political purposes. Mm -hmm. First, just kind of partisans spreading stuff and then campaigns actually making use of it as a tool. So it was kind of a, a long evolutionary process where we started picking up all these other aspects, other types of things we cover. Now you see there's the whole fake news umbrella, which covers mm -hmm. everything from propaganda to just completely made up, fabricated news to, you know, hyper-partisan news. And how do you feel about that term, fake news? Well, it's kind of like urban legends. It's been so co-opted yeah. and used so broadly that it's really meaningless. I and mean, people started <laughs> using urban legends to refer to anything that was false. You know, yeah. oh, that's just an urban legend. And now <laughs> fake news is pretty much anything, you know, that uh, people disdain as false mm -hmm. or, you know, according to our president, it encompasses <laughs> like CNN and the New York Times. Yeah. So it's kind of been co-opted out of any, you know, <laughs> useful meaning. Yeah. Does that bother you that Trump and the alt-right seem to use fake news as this catch-all term for any legitimate news organization that maybe makes a mistake or perhaps yeah. has a bias? Just basically inaccurate news or bad journalism, right? Exactly. I mean, that was the term I would use, that there is sometimes some bad journalism out there. You know, no one's perfect. They make mistakes. But that's very different than deliberately spreading false information, <laughs> which is what we really think of as fake news. I mean, it started out as you know the harmless stuff like – you know, a woman gives birth to litter of kittens in an elevator, you know, just people making up ridiculous stuff. Yeah, that and... would be an urban legend. <laughs> or like alligators in the sewers of New York, would that be the kind of thing well, that you would Well, that's an consider? urban legend, but yeah. I just mean in terms of fake news, oh, right, it was right. people setting up what looked like mm -hmm. news sites just to right. spread sensational and ridiculous, but mm -hmm. kind of obviously fake stories, <laughs> but to the point where people were trying to pass off political disinformation as real news is mm -hmm. a whole other thing. Uh, give us a few examples examples of some of the stories that might be trending on Snopes this week that you guys fact-checked? Well, a big one was, 
is Bob Barker dead? Right. Well, it's actually been trending <laughs> for several days. Um, you know, celebrity death hoaxes are a common yeah. thing. It's a, it's a cheap way of getting clicks, you know, spreading a rumor <laughs> that someone – you know, some famous person has yeah. died when they really haven't. Um, it, Bob Barker actually did have like a uh, medical incident, we can call it, but he okay. didn't die. But <laughs> it's been misleading reported, misleadingly reported that he died. So that's been spreading. Of course, now with the uh, the recent um, interest in the idea that Fox News was complicit in spreading this fake story that Seth Rich was involved in leaking material to right. WikiLeaks about, you know, the about Hillary Clinton and the DNC and the lawsuit over that. There's been a, a lot of related yeah. activity. But that's something that got legitimized by people like Sean Hannity. Yes. Which in theory is mainstream media. I yes. Guess. Or even Seymour Hirsch, who's yeah. apparently telling <laughs> conflicting stories about it. But yes. Yeah. Isn't there also one about uh, Anthony Scaramucci having uh, sent naked photos of his <laughs> ex wife or something? Yeah. Uh, of course, there were a whole lot of rumors about him that quickly you know, lived and died in, yeah. in, in, in uh, <laughs> concurrence with his short time span in the White House. But of course, there was, a, you know, some real news out there. People started uh, reading articles about his wife filing for divorce in the ninth month of pregnancy, which mm. kind of lent itself to kind of like North Korea. There's nothing <laughs> too crazy yeah. to believe about this yeah. subject. So, <laughs> you know, you could see people would, would pick up on, oh, he posted naked pictures of his wife on the Internet as revenge <laughs> for divorcing him. And that was, yeah, that was a huge, huge that's, story. That's not totally unbelievable, though. <laughs> well, well I don't know about character. him personally, but in the context of other stuff yeah. that is true about him, yes. Um, so uh, it, it's one of those stories. There's a lot of sort of like Nova-like stories where they <laughs> burn brightly for a couple days and then disappear. And there's other stories that just really never go away. Uh, ones that we cover and they, they disappear for years and then inexplicably come back. I mean, it's a really <laughs> interesting phenomenon to track those, you know, the history of rumors. Yeah, and I should point out that sometimes you'd research something and it turns out to be true. An, yes. an example of that would be, I guess, this week there's a story on there about a man who was arrested by customs agents at LAX for smuggling king cobras in snack containers. Correct, <laughs> although... I have to say, when we started looking into it, it wasn't clear that that actually happened at LAX. Oh, okay. Rather than possibly some regional airport. But okay. it appeared the, the basic underlying story was true. But wow. again, perhaps not so unusual in the context of it's really not uncommon to find people trying to smuggle animals yeah. they're not allowed to have in all sorts of inventive <laughs> ways. <laughs> My only question is, were the snakes smuggled in cans of peanut brittle? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly, right. Did they have springs in them? Yes. Well, you know, I think that you do a real service to people by making this information succinct and easily searchable on Snopes because it seems to me that a lot of the problem is that it may take a person like me maybe five minutes tops to read a misleading article on Facebook. But then the process of researching it and verifying that information is so time consuming. I could easily spend an hour or more on Google and still come up empty-handed. Well, first of all, if you actually read the article, you're ahead of a lot of people because they're just <laughs> looking at the mm -hmm. headline and short synopsis on social media right. and not even clicking through to the underlying article. Um, 
And of course, given exactly what you described, a lot of the major internet players have been trying to make that process easier for you, like Facebook identifying uh, stories that users have flagged as disputed and putting links to fact check articles about them, or Google incorporating fact checks into their search results. So if you search on, you know, say Hillary Clinton sold uranium to Russia, you'll see right in the search results, you know, things that are fact checks and who fact checked them and how they rated it. So you don't have to go through 20 pages of search yeah. results to find that. Now, Facebook enlisted Snopes and a few other fact checking sites, I believe, to verify Facebook posts. Uh, tell us a little bit more about how that arrangement works. Um, for now, it's pretty simple. It mostly, Facebook users can flag stories as fake news, you okay. know, just the same as they can flag them for being offensive or violating Facebook's guidelines. One of the options is it's fake news. And uh, for the most part, Facebook provides us with a database of disputed stories, okay. and we can plug in a URL if we've written a debunking or a confirmation of it so that uh, Facebook can more easily match up um, articles posted on, on their network with fact checks. So there's not really a whole lot more to it than that yeah. at this point. We're not, you know, Facebook isn't giving us assignments or telling us <laughs> what to write about or how yeah. to write. It's really, for the most part, we're just doing the same kind of fact okay. checks we were doing all along and just making it a little easier for Facebook to link to them. Okay. Um, I think they announced just today or yesterday that they were going to try you know, approach with showing related articles for perhaps questionable articles, as in trying to avoid like censoring articles or preventing right. people from seeing them, just trying to take the approach of linking them to supplementary material, mm -hmm. which includes fact checks. So, okay, because there are people who are accusing Facebook of using sites like yours to censor free speech. You don't see it that way, right? Well, I don't ever see how providing people with more information is censoring free speech. Right. I mean, in, in the, our partnership with Facebook does not uh, in any way involve, despite, despite claims <laughs> to the contrary when it started, our getting to decide who gets to publish on Facebook or yeah. which articles users get to see or anything like that. You know, the, our most involvement is Facebook may add below a posting of an article that this article has been disputed. Okay. Here's where you can go to read more about it. So okay. it kind of follows the maximum that the best cure for bad speech is more speech, not yeah. the best cure for bad speech is censorship. <laughs> so if a user flags a post as potentially misleading or false, Facebook sends it to you guys or to fact-checking sites to then follow up on that? Is that right? Well, First of all, they're not sending us right. everything. Okay. Everything that gets flagged, right. obviously, right. We'd, we'd be you know plowing through you know several million <laughs> items yeah. every day. They're building a database based on okay. some criteria that I'm not privy to. I don't know if they're just doing by what's most reported or most widely spread. How how what criteria they're using for, for building see. that database? But I said we just plug in. You know, if we've written about it, we just plug in the URL and mm. indicate, you know, did we find it true or false? Because mm -hmm. if we say something's true, Facebook isn't going to do anything. <laughs> Obviously, they don't really need to tell people this article is true. Um, if two or more fact check organizations say something is false and none of them say it's true, then they will mm -hmm. um, 
put a disputed okay. little warning or disclaimer underneath it when, for readers to see. Now, what are Snopes methods like when verifying a rumor? Is it mostly research done online like the rest of us, or do you still sometimes find yourselves having to track down a story the old-fashioned way? Um Chris, we always get asked that, and it's always difficult to answer because we cover such a broad range of things. And there are sites that, like ours, that only do politics, and there are some sites that do stuff other than politics. But I think we're the only one, or certainly the biggest one, who just takes on everything. And so how you look into you know, uh, a claim about, you know, uh, Russian interference in presidential elections is a very different approach than is this photo real or faked of a raccoon standing on an alligator's back? Um, Is that a real thing? (laughs) That was. That was a fake. Somebody set up, I think she took a stuffed alligator or stuffed a raccoon and and set it up on like an alligator and some water and made it look like the raccoon was riding off on the alligator. But um, uh, so... Some stuff you can literally do in minutes because yeah. if it's some an article from a fake news site that's known to us that publishes mm-hmm. nothing but fake news, all you have to do is say it came from this site that publishes nothing but fake news and your work is done. Um, you know, other stuff, you know, of course requires just standard journalistic techniques of mm-hmm. tracking down people, getting in touch with them by email or telephone or whatever to – you know, clarify, ask them, you know, did, were you involved in this? Did you witness it? You know, uh, what can you tell us about it? Or, you know, uh, just provide background information was, you know, if somebody's, it's about a legislative bill or something, is this what you intended it to do? Or is this what this passage means? Or so for the most part, it's, it's just yeah. standard journalistic legwork. Um, you know, sometimes, I said, like with photographs, you're doing reverse image searches to try and find where things mm-hmm. originated. Some, you know, when we have time to kind of go back to our roots and do older, you know, historical, <laughs> more legendary things, it might involve yeah, trawling through old books or magazines. Um, it's kind of funny when my, when my former wife and I started working on this, it was not uncommon that we would spend our weekend at the... UCLA research library just going through old magazines, old (laughs) newspapers, microfilm. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it's kind of like in a way, the fun of that is gone because yeah. all the stuff is available online. You don't even have to get out of your chair. They're, they're all yeah. in databases. doesn't involve driving <laughs> anywhere, handling yeah. physical objects. You know, so. A little less adventurous, you would say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of sites are the biggest sources of misinformation or disinformation in the digital age? <laughs> well, I hate to give them any publicity by right. mentioning well, them particularly. By types, are, are we talking? A lot of times, is it satire? Is it deliberate um, disinformation? Is it just bad journalism? Well, there's, of course, the big one is satire slash mm-hmm. fake news. But there's really two kinds of satire. There's the Onion, which yeah. is Humorous. doesn't doesn't pretend to be anything other than satire yeah. and is genuine satire that it's funny it's making a point about something a social or political issue unfortunately they're vastly outnumbered by sites that just make up stuff out of whole cloth that isn't it isn't funny isn't really making a point about anything is just intended to fool people and call themselves satire mm-hmm. but they aren't really um so, yes, that's a large contributor to it. Um, a lot of them is, are just spurious 
scientific or health claims, you know, mm-hmm. people trying to spread the idea that, you know, vaccinations are bad for you, vaccinations cause autism, you know, that GMOs are deadly poison, yeah. uh, you know, um, all sorts of things like that. I mean, we were just working the other day on the idea that people were refraining from getting their pets vaccinated because oh, of really? some related <laughs> danger there. So it's now spread from, from children to the animal world. <laughs> um, there's certainly still a lot of sites pumping out fake political news, not mm-hmm. to the extent it was done during the election with like the infamous Macedonian teenagers uh, yeah. trying to make money, but still you know, a lot of sites that we would call hyper-partisan where they're really putting not absolutely completely false, but they're putting out clickbait headlines yeah. and the underlying story is maybe a whole bunch of sensationalism and one actual factual sentence about yeah. something that happened in politics <laughs> that isn't really all that remarkable you yeah. know, outside of the sensational headline they <laughs> attach to it. Um, so we, we get a lot of that. Um, and there's still, unfortunately, a lot of people pretty much just making up political news. Mm-hmm. I read that some of these sites even falsely advertise that their stories have been verified by Snopes, right? <laughs> <laughs> we dealt with that for a long time. Yeah. Um, uh, some of it was deliberate people trying to spread things by mm-hmm. saying, oh, you know, look on Snopes. Uh, a lot of it was just misunderstanding that people would, okay. would see that we had an article about right. something yeah. and either didn't read it or didn't understand mm-hmm. it and say, you know, this this is, this is true. You can find it on Snopes. And, you know. Well, an example of some of the gall of some of the more nefarious websites that have been debunked by Snopes is that they've taken to actually retaliating by creating fake stories about you. <laughs> yes. Did, didn't they doctor a photo and claim that you were arrested for something like running a dog fighting ring Yes, or I, something? I've been arrested for corruption. I learned all this by reading the internet, not actually spending any time in jail. But yes, I've been arrested for corruption. I've been arrested for running a dog fighting ring. Uh, I just learned in the last few days that I... Uh, I spent like uh, $350,000 that was donated to us on a Ferrari. (laughs) I'm actually driving a Mazda 3, just in case anyone cares. (laughs) And somewhere they doctored a photo of, who was it, Klaus Butte or some Russian arms dealer getting arrested, and they put your head on it? Yes, with my head on it, yes. And In fact, we still deal with the widespread perception that like Snopes is two people and a cat. Um, It's kind of funny when you put it in the context of the long long-running claims that were also funded by George Soros. And you'd think a multinational billionaire (laughs) magnet could really afford more than two people and a cat to be running his (laughs) fake news empire. But uh, unfortunately, the cat passed away uh, last month. (laughs) Yeah, because there are people who have claimed that you have a liberal bias Mm -hmm. and that you're funded by George Soros. Those stories have gotten a lot of legs. I know people who actually believe that. Um, Do you have any political leaning is George Soros involved in snow <laughs> no yeah. in fact with those uh you know, I was working with my former wife, Barbara, when those rumors started, her reaction was like, who's George Soros? Because she'd never heard of him. The guy who was supposedly giving us billions of dollars. And that used to be our standard response is that we wouldn't recognize him if we sat down next to him on a bus. But, you know, he's just kind of like the uh, the boogeyman of, of the left, just like, say, like the Koch brothers are to the right. right. You know, it's just a, a handy name and face to trot out to try and discredit anyone. Are you funded by the Koch brothers? 
no, no, no. <laughs> we have heard from their reps from time to time. Oh, when really? We, when we've run stories that you know there were you know some things like uh, back during uh, the the Trayvon Martin um, news cycle, uh, you know when that was a big story that you know the Koch brothers were funding uh, George Zimmerman's defense and things like that. So <laughs> you know there's nothing wrong with them trying to get in touch with us to try mm. and you know provide information <laughs> to help us debunk something. You know? It's kind of funny how long that's been around because I mentioned like the st- when I started the site 20 something years ago, the first category I had on the site was Disney related legends. <laughs> And people at the time were claiming that we were a front for Disney, that we were being, or we were being paid by Disney. Um, so pretty much, yeah, you can't be in this business at all with people without people thinking that someone's paying you to do what you do. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break, and then I'll be back with more with Snopes founder David Mickelson when we come back in just a moment. HelloFresh is on a mission to save home cooking. HelloFresh is the meal kit delivery service that makes cooking more fun so you can focus on the whole experience, not just the final plate. Each week, HelloFresh creates new delicious recipes with step-by-step instructions designed to take around 30 minutes for everyone from novices to seasoned home cooks short on time. They source the freshest ingredients measured to the exact quantities needed so there's no food waste, and they even employ two full-time registered dietitians on staff who review each recipe to ensure it's nutritionally balanced. I've started making meals from HelloFresh, and let me tell you, the ingredients always arrive fresh in an insulated, recyclable box. Everything comes perfectly portioned out, and the recipes are quick and easy to follow, so even an amateur like me can put together a great home-cooked meal in no time. And most importantly, HelloFresh's meals taste great. So great, in fact, that when Mother's Day rolled around this year, I ordered HelloFresh for my mom, and now she's hooked as well. HelloFresh is now offering light summer meals and has just introduced breakfast options, delicious ingredients you'll love to eat, simple recipes you'll live to cook. So get cooking and do it for less than $10 a meal. For $30 off your first week of deliveries, visit HelloFresh.com and enter KICK30 when you subscribe. Again, that's HelloFresh.com and enter KICK30. Hey guys, do you hate shopping for clothes? Well, now there's an easier way to get better clothes, Bombfell. Bombfell is an online personal styling service that helps men find the right clothes for them. And unlike other services, there are no fees to work with them, so it costs nothing to sign up. It's simple and straightforward. All you have to do is complete a questionnaire, and a dedicated personal stylist will handpick pieces specially for you. Then, once you've viewed your selections, you'll have 48 hours to make any changes or even cancel altogether. You're in total control, and you only pay for the clothes you keep. Plus, you have the option of receiving clothes once every one, two, or three months because Bombfell is on your side, and they don't make money if you don't find something you want to keep. 
I just got my first order from Bombfell. I gave my stylist my measurements and answered just a few questions about my style and what I like. He came back to me with a hand-picked outfit just for me. My stylist selected a beautiful sports jacket made out of high-quality linen, perfect for the summer, along with a button-down and a polo shirt that go great with my new jacket or on their own. I was able to change the color if I want, and if I'm ever not in love with the selection, I just say so and my stylist comes back to me with a totally new selection. And these weren't some weird off-brand items, we're talking quality, fashionable clothes that fits great. Plus it was easy and fast, and I didn't have to waste a lot of time in a store. I love good clothes, and that's why I really love Bombfell. Best of all, I've negotiated with Bombfell to get my listeners a special offer of $25 off your first purchase when you go to bombfell.com slash kick. That's bombfell, spelled B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L dot com slash kick. And now, back to the show. I was interested to read that you viewed 9-11 as a real turning point for Snopes. Yes. What changed after 9-11? Well, that was kind of the starting point. Now, after every um, sort of tragic event, and it, terrorism attack, a mass shooting, even natural disasters, mm-hmm. you get this spread of rumors, conspiracy theory, oh, the government did this, oh, this was a hoax, it's a false flag operation, and that's yeah. kind of where that stuff all started aggregating on the internet. It was not a new phenomenon by any means. We'd seen it with, say, the John Kennedy assassination. For years, people Mm -hmm. have been out there with conspiracy theories, but this was kind of like where it took root on the internet. Um, In the aftermath of the attacks, there were all these rumors and conspiracy theories. The mainstream media, for the most part, were not writing about the internet or things that happened on the internet back then. They, They just tended to mirror their print versions on the internet. So we were kind of like the only people out there at the time who were actually tracking and looking into all these rumors. Uh, I said, it, you know, I often like to say it's kind of how, shows how things have changed where it used to be if somebody had like a f- funny or unusual photo or video, it circulated by email because this was even before photo sharing sites and YouTube. And so it took like weeks for something to build up to the point of going viral. And, mm-hmm. and you know, we had plenty of time to look into it and research it and write about it. Now it's somebody posts something controversial, or unusual on Facebook, and 20 minutes later it's a headline in yeah. the New York Post or <laughs> the New York Daily News or something. So, um, you know, that that was kind of the start of that process 911 we've seen the same yeah. thing happen again after you know columbine after mm-hmm. sandy hook, sandy hook okay, you know yeah. after you know any number of terrorist attacks in the us and abroad so yeah. that was just kind of the starting point and the very starting point of that was that um, immediately after the attacks there was this um, Supposed quatrain from Nostradamus right. that that uh, <laughs> predicted remember. the attacks uh, yeah. circulating, and it was nothing of the kind. It wasn't from Nostradamus. It was something a Canadian student had made up yeah. sometime earlier, just to show how people would apply any vague prophecy <laughs> to a specific event. And yeah. uh, my, you know, my wife at the time, Barbara, picked up on that pretty quickly, and we had it up. I think by the end of the day, and that just <laughs> drew huge audience. You know, our 
traffic was maxing out and that was kind of the start of you know tracking all these rumors you know yeah. Terry Bradshaw beating up a, a bunch of <laughs> celebrating Arabs in a in a donut shop and you know the you know it, it surprisingly it, it took a while in the immediate aftermath there was like a whole lot of sort of calls to action like people um, advocating boycotting all kinds of different companies that were supposedly you know owned in part by Osama bin Laden, a lot of what we call soapbox pieces mm-hmm. of people just, you know, advocating that we invade, you know, yeah. Afghanistan or, you know, you know, reach accommodation with Muslims, just, you yeah. know, lots of opinion pieces. But surprisingly, again, it took a while before then all the conspiracy theories started, you know, Coming on the internet, it wasn't a, it wasn't a an airplane that hit the Pentagon. It was a missile, and you know, World Trade Center Seven fell in a controlled demolition. Yeah, and all all of that. Yeah, and it's not always just harmless fun. I mean, yeah. when you have people who are spreading rumors that then fuel public anger against a particular segment of society, or people are making health decisions based on yes. something they read on the internet. I wonder, is there a particular false story that over the years has made you especially angry or that you felt had the potential to cause the most harm if it gained traction? Um, Well, one example, a real-life example, fortunately it was relatively small scale, but a couple years ago when like Ebola was a big thing in the news, um, one of the fake news sites put out this story about, and I think it was framed as several children had been sent home from a school in Texas because Mm. of an Ebola outbreak. And um, the story spread widely on the internet, but it ended up with a whole lot of concerned parents calling the school, calling the police, the police getting involved, school officials getting involved. I mean, no one suffered any demonstrable harm, Mm -hmm. but it shows what happens is that resources get tied up uh, having to deal with stupid fake news stories. And, you know, we've seen that happen with others. And certainly there have been a lot of fake news uh, that's very detrimental to certain businesses spreading completely untrue rumors. Mm-hmm. And I've seen in cases where those articles have disappeared, so presumably they were leaned on to <laughs> remove them. And it's, it's even happened to us. I mean, as really? you mentioned, there's sp- uh, fake news out there about us that we've had to um, unfortunately use legal intervention to mm-hmm. make sites take down um, because, yeah, I mean, if you have a story out there claiming that we're being, you know, we're being paid by CNN or something, uh, that's really um, defamatory. Yeah. And it can have a big impact on business. Yeah, yeah, it undermines your credibility. Yes. Um, I mean, you've covered political items before, but this past year during the election, I guess there was such an explosion of rumors and misinformation that yeah. prompted your site to take on a much bigger political profile than you probably ever intended. <laughs> Were you conscious of the fact that by jumping into the political fray with both feet in 2016, <laughs> you might be putting a target on your back? Oh, I don't think we thought of it that way. And I've always taken the approach we write about whatever the most people mm-hmm. are asking about or questioning. And of course, during presidential election years, politics are a big issue, but not all presidential 
elections are equal. So, I mean, we were involved in politics in a big way in the 2008 election with the whole Barack Obama is a Muslim, Barack Obama was born in Kenya, Barack Obama's birth certificate is a forgery. Um, It's just that the public attention was not on fact-checking as much back then, Mm -hmm. so people may not have been aware of how much political material we were covering, but this election kind of brought that you know fact checking in general to the forefront and it also was the rise of you know people putting political misinformation out there not just as an aspect of partisanship and not even just as an aspect of political campaigning but as a deliberate attempt to make money mm-hmm. you know again with the infamous Macedonian teenagers <laughs> being the most famous exemplar so yeah. with that thrown in the mix there was you know that really cascaded all the, the fake political information yeah. and so that's what everybody was looking for us to answer so that's what we were doing um, you know, a lot of times I do kind of miss the, you know, the good old days, if we can call it that, where we were just, you know, dealing with things like, you know, do, you know, did Vikings really wear helmets with horns on them and, yeah. you know, historical inaccuracies and things like that. So I'm yeah. hoping we can get back to that someday. Yeah, I was going to ask, is there an aspect of this that's perhaps a little less fun than it used to be for you? Yeah, I mean, it gets tiring um, well, one, like dealing with a lot of the fake news where I said mm-hmm. where it's just repetitive, where you're just dealing with sites that pump out nothing but fake news and you don't actually need to do anything other than say it came from this site. We know it's fake. I mean, there's no <laughs> real intellectual challenge yeah. to that. Um, a lot of the political rumor is just awfully repetitive or it's just it's so, I don't know, nuanced or spun that you have to spend so much time and effort trying to explain something Um you know, so yeah, I, I kind of miss, you know, I said, you know, being able to legends. deal with, you know, you know, does this song really mean what people are claiming yeah. it means? And, you know, um, if you, you play know, it backwards, yeah, <laughs> you know, things like that. You know, is it really true if you're, you know, you're, you're in college and your roommate commits suicide, you get straight A's for the semester <laughs> automatically? Because um, one of the uh, things that's missing from just being, pure fact-checking, which is kind of one offshoot of, of all the things we do, is a lot of what was most interesting to us at the beginning was not the literal uh, truth or falsity of the things we were examining, but you know what underlay them. It's like, mm-hmm. why, why do people believe these? Why do they spread these? What does it say? you know, about us, what is it, what's going on in our society that makes mm-hmm. people want to believe this or think that this is happening? Yeah. You know, what, what are the patterns, uh, you know, to all these d- legends that may seem yeah. disconnected and, you know, that's all kind of <laughs> gets lost in just spending every day dealing with is this latest political claim true or not? Yeah. So, I mean, do you feel a little bit like David versus Goliath <laughs> when you have this relatively small team of researchers and you're up against thousands of, say, Russian internet trolls and sites like InfoWars that peddle yes. questionable stories to say nothing of people's own confirmation bias. Yes. And or like when you look at the uh, Facebook database we mentioned and see like, oh, there's 2,000 entries in here. <laughs> <laughs> and we have, you know, a staff of 16 people. I don't think we'll be getting to all these today. So, yeah, it's always been, you know, sort of a uh, triage of what we can write about you know, based on um, 
I said typically what most people are asking about. We've, you know, we've always tried to avoid um, imposing our own judgment on the selection process, mm-hmm. like you know, saying we're not going to write about this because we think it's too ridiculous or, you know, it's not believable or, you know, it's not important enough. Or really, there's nothing out there that people won't believe. Um, <laughs> it's some kinds disconcerting, um, you know, taking that approach because you see like a fake photograph of President Trump supposedly experiencing an attack of diarrhea on a golf course. (laughs) You're getting thousands of inquiries and millions of views, but a story like, oh, say a gas attack in Syria. Did this really happen? Mm -hmm. Was it actually launched by the government? Was it launched by someone else? Something that is of actual real import to the world? Mm -hmm. You know, not so much interest in that. I've read some people describe you as mysterious for a (laughs) tech entrepreneur, maybe keeping a a little bit lower profile than one might expect, maybe not going to the Allen and Company meeting in Sun Valley (laughs) or something. Do you take particular pains to avoid the spotlight, or do you consider yourself mysterious? I would say take pains to avoid it. It just was more a case of not seeking it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, going back to the early days, I mean, of course, we did interviews when people asked for them, but um, after a while, kind of stopped doing them because they just got kind of boring and repetitive with people asking the same questions. But it was really nobody was really seeking us out until you know, the last few years, mm-hmm. um, you know, so no, we never did any kind of marketing or publicity. That was just the nature of the business. We just do what we do. We're not marketing it. We're not advertising it. Um, it's kind of funny. My, my current wife, um, one of the things that she noted when we first met was that, you know, you've just been sitting in a room by yourself writing for 20 years and the only reaction you really see is all the hate mail that you get yeah. through the site yeah that's probably uh, true you have no idea of the impact you're having on the mm-hmm. world and how much people actually love you so she started the um you know getting shirts and hats yeah. you know with our branding made up and magnetic signs for the car and making sure mm-hmm. that everywhere we we went that one or both of us was branded and so was the car <laughs> and show me yes the the Everywhere we went, you know, people would see the shirts and say, like, do you work for Snopes? You know, and <laughs> when my wife would introduce me as, as the founder, and they'd say, really? And want to pose for pictures and, you know, really? put them up on so Facebook. You and a lot of fans. People who, That's awesome. People whom I was impressed by, whom I was a fan of, would, like, leave notes on our yeah. car <laughs> saying, like, they were our fans. Um, it, actually, it was really kind of funny, just as an example. Um, several weeks ago, we were out at uh, Hershey Park back in Pennsylvania, in Pennsylvania, standing in line for a ride, and we, we both had Snopes jackets on, and there was a young fellow, like a high school age, and his girlfriend in line behind us, and noticed the jackets and asked us, like, where did you get those? And my wife said, well, you know, this is David. He started Snopes. And and he said, like, really? Oh, wow. Really? That's incredible. And then he said, ironically, there's no way to verify that. I was just going to say, do you ever encounter people who don't believe you? <laughs> no, I don't think okay. so. Just a, like, no, really, kind of thing. Not not real doubt or skepticism. But, um, 
That's always one of the challenges we face. Like, well, should we merchandise these shirts now? Because yeah. if we do, then just anybody can wear them, and they yeah. will no longer yeah, identify us as bona fide Snopes people. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, you've been thrust into the media spotlight recently, thanks to a very public and contentious lawsuit <laughs> yes. with a company called Proper Media uh-huh. that you say has been holding Snopes hostage. Uh-huh. Uh, what is this case all about? Well. It's basics. Um, over a year ago, we contracted with an outside vendor to provide advertising and web development services to the site. Um, that contract, actually, it had a one-year term that expired several months ago. And it also had the provision that regardless of that one-year term, that it could be canceled at any time by either side for any reason. Um, That contract had long since become very disadvantageous for us because Mm -hmm. Snopes was now a very different place. So kind of as the head of the company, I was obligated to cancel it. Um, The vendor, of course, didn't want to lose a very lucrative contract, so they've essentially been trying to jam things up with litigation. um, Mm -hmm. And uh, part of the fallout was that was that they wouldn't accept the cancellation of the contract. They still control the hosting on our site and all the advertising on our site. All of our revenue still flow into them. So they've been withholding all of the revenue we've earned for the last several months. Um, wow. We can't move the site to another host. We can't put our own advertising on it. You know, we were completely boxed in. So um, unfortunately, uh, Legal issues take a considerable amount of time to wend their way through the courts, even if you consider them, um, you know, frivolous or baseless. You can't just (laughs) you can't just go to the courthouse the next day and say, hey, judge, this is ridiculous. Please get rid of it. It it takes time. So we really kind of had no choice but to go to the public to try and raise some money to, to keep going in the interim. Yeah. And you've started a fundraising campaign to save Snopes, which has raised, I think, as of today, six hundred eighty five thousand thousand dollars to my listeners if you value the truth and you want to fight back against alternative facts you should definitely consider contributing to this very worthwhile cause um where can people go to donate it's on gofundme is that correct right? uh, there's links on our site or okay. you can go to gofundme and look for it and i would <laughs> uh also like to say despite what people may have been reading in tabloids or uh-huh. elsewhere that no no one has embezzled any money from the company <laughs> none of it has been misappropriated uh, none of it has been frivolously spent or wasted <laughs> well on a lighter note before we go uh could you throw out a few tips for listeners on how to spot lies out there on the internet <laughs> Well, I think the most important thing is people need to actually read stuff. Yeah. As I mentioned, a lot of <laughs> it's people just reacting to something posted on social media mm-hmm. where they're not even reading the underlying article. So um, the important part is, yes, clicking through and actually reading what's there. Oftentimes w- what's linked doesn't even match what the, the headline you saw on social media is at all. Um, if you... And, you know, then if you when you do read the article, you know, read it critically, see, you know, again, is it is it does it match the headline is what it's claiming supported by anything or is it just an article stating this with no authority behind what it's Mm -hmm. stating? Um, Again, you have to consider the source. Uh, You know, if it's a source unfamiliar to you, you can probably do a quick 
you know, internet search yeah. and find plenty of material and <laughs> people uh, discussing whether that's a reliable source or not. Um, you know, obviously not all sources are created equal. I mean, WebMD is very different than a whole lot of alternative health sites yeah. and have very different reputations. So um, needed to give that credibility. You can throw out the age old maxim that if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. <laughs> but, um, you know, surprisingly, there are a lot of fantastic stories out there that are true. So mm -hmm. you can't just dismiss them that way. Well, you good know. advice. I also hear that you're a big board game fan. What's your favorite? <laughs> My favorite board game. Uh, well, I say we have we have spent un countless hours and days uh, in my local board game group playing uh, <laughs> the uh, board game version of Battlestar Galactica. So that like okay. ranks up there highly. <laughs> okay, I'm a risk man myself. Oh. Yeah, and and I can end a risk game within two hours. Believe it or not, I don't <laughs> think I've ever played. I'm good. I can play risk, and I can. I don't think I've had a game that lasted more than three hours. Believe it or not, I swear to God. Well, depending on who you believe, folks, either Winston Churchill or Mark Twain once said, a lie gets halfway around the world before the truth even has a chance to get its pants on. Thankfully, there's a site like Snopes fighting to even those odds. So listeners, if you see a fishy story on your Facebook feed or something that doesn't quite sound right, go to Snopes.com and they'll tell you whether it's believable or bullshit. And consider supporting Snopes at GoFundMe.com slash SaveSnopes. David, you do good work, and we need you now more than ever, so I wish you the best of luck in your fight. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks again to David Mickelson for joining me on the podcast. If you haven't already, check out Snopes.com and follow Snopes on Twitter at, at Snopes. And if you value the work they're doing to combat alternative facts and random nonsense, consider donating to the Save Snopes campaign at GoFundMe.com slash Save Snopes. Be sure to subscribe to Kick-Ass News on iTunes and leave us a review while you're there. Don't forget to take our listener survey. It only takes five minutes at podsurvey.com slash kick. You can visit Kick-Ass News on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at at kickassnewspod. And be sure to recommend Kick-Ass News to your friends on your social media. And if you really want to help out, then donate to our GoFundMe campaign at gofundme.com slash kickassnews or click on the donate button at kickassnews.com. As always, I welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions at comments at kickassnews.com. For now, though, I'm Ben Mathis, and thanks for listening to Kickass News. Kick-Ass News is a trademark of Mathis Entertainment, Inc.